Foster Hubbard. I'm Libby Ward. This is our first episode from the new Shaky Town studio, the Eagle's Nest, in uh, the east side of Los Angeles, I suppose. This is kind of Mount Washington, Eagle Rock, Highland Park, Glass Cell Park. Right. We should probably specify that it's the Eagle's Nest because it's high up in, in Eagle Rock, not because we've stolen art from people all over the world and hoarded it here. Right, right, right. Now that, there was not actually a Nazi stronghold stronghold called the Eagle's Nest. There was, there was a bunker called Eagle's Eerie. There was a big chalet. Yeah. Ch- chalet? Sh- chalet. Yeah. How do we pronounce that word? No chalet. Idea? Chalet. Yeah. It wasn't a bunker. It was a chalet. But, yes. But I believe it was. But it wasn't it called was, Eagle's Nest. Wasn't it? No. It Well, in the movie where Eagle's Dare, they called it uh, Eagle's castle huh i actually uh researched visiting the eagle's nest before they call it that now um, i think it's because of that movie but formerly they didn't the misfits did a song called where eagles dare yes you know who likes glenn danzig who our guest right katie goodman uh, i do like i do like the misfits yeah. i know this because i feel like just the other day you were doing a bunch of acoustic covers on youtube oh yeah and didn't you do a, a we didn't mis- we did not do a misfit song but we okay. might as well have should have yeah we do me and jen both do like the misfits yeah but misfits covers are deceptively difficult you think so yes because the songs have a million lyrics yeah like way more lyrics than you'd ever think so like my other band vivian girls did a misfits cover set in 2007 for halloween mm-hmm. we were like oh we'll just throw that together like the day of you know like We'll just, like, learn some covers that day and do it. Yeah. And we had so much trouble learning all the words. Because the songs, like, the music's not hard. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's power chords. It's mm-hmm. fast. You know, it's repetitive. You can do it. But every verse is, like, a hundred lyrics, and there's, like, ten verses. And you're like, how can anyone know all these? And yeah. deceptively difficult. Did you wear the paint for that show? Did you guys all do demo Actually, we and... were dressed as cave women. It didn't make it, <laughs> right? There, it, there was a disconnect. I don't, I, I don't know. Well, there was that band um, that Jerry only did between Real Misfits and Fake Misfits with Michael Graves, where it was called, like, Christ the Conqueror. And it was, like, a reimagined Jesus as, like, a Conan the Barbarian type. Whoa, so maybe, like, our outfits did make sense. Yes. If we had known about that. Inadvertently. Yes. Did you quote Bible verses as well? No. Okay. We just drank. Okay. <laughs> Wine? Probably not. Okay. Because oh. that's that's a Jesus-y beverage. No, yeah. we probably were drinking, totally like, Jesus-y. 40s. Okay. This is 2007 we're talking about. Right, right. Well, Jesus would have drank 40s if they were readily available in the years 18 through 33. That's what WWJD stands for. What would Jesus what drink? Jesus drink? And the answer is 40s. 40s. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Katie Goodman is not new to Los Angeles, but you've been you've been here for a couple years. Now. I've been here just hit three years. Three years. Mm-hmm. Um, grew up in New Jersey. Yes. Born and raised. Well, I, well, I was literally actually born in New York. Um, lived in Long Island for the first nine years. Long Island. Yeah. And then I uh, moved to New Jersey when I was nine, and then lived there for a while too. What, what part of Long Island? Uh, I was from Lloyd Harbor, which okay. is right by Huntington. Okay. And Cold Spring Harbor. Like Got right it. Okay. I went to Cold Spring Harbor Elementary School. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know much about Long Island. I know Lake Rakunkunka because of Cassie J. Snyder. Do you? Do you know it? I don't know any of those words. <laughs> I know Cassie <laughs> I J. Snyder. I don't know any words in that sentence you said. Okay. I know she writes lake. about it. 
And and uh, our friend um, Will Stegman's from Long Island. Yeah. Be the boy. We yeah. Will. Pizza boy? Be the boy. At be the boy on Twitter. Uh, yes. Not pizza boy. No. Although I, I, I sense a new character in the making. Pizza boy. From right. this, in this room. A new superhero, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Um, what was childhood in... Cold Spring Harbor? Yeah. Elementary school? Yeah. What was it like? What was it like? Uh, it was it was wonderful. It was what all childhood dreams should be made of. Uh, I, it was like this like tiny little... I lived... Lloyd Harbor is actually where Billy Joel lived. But he, I think he moved right when I was born. Okay. And Billy Joel is what childhood dreams are made of. Yes. Well, because that's, he, he, he's like, oh, Katie Goodman's here. I'm out of here. <laughs> but basically, it's this, like, tiny little, like, island. It's not technically an island because it's connected by a road that has water on both sides. There's a word, yeah. Archipelago. It's a mile-long road that's, like, you, harbor, harbor on one side, like, the ocean on the other yeah. side. So it was connected. So every day, in like, right on the beach, it was beautiful. And uh, I would, you know, take the bus on this like mile long beach road every day to go to school yeah. it was wonderful played in the woods a lot got a lot of you know ticks yeah had a lot of tree houses oh gross you know i mean tree houses it was kind of it was kind of <laughs> woodland you probably I, I think we're all about the same age you grew up in the the panic of lyme disease era i think i had lyme disease yeah there's really? no way for me to know really what makes you think that because i used to get ticks all the time like ticks on my head all the time and every night before bed and i remember in the summers this was like a great before bed thing. My mom would like, quote unquote, I'm doing air quotes right now, <laughs> yeah. check my head for ticks before bed every night. But really, it's just like a head massage, which is <laughs> nice. But like, she'd find ticks and be like, oh, there's one, get the tweezers and like take them out. And then I vaguely remember one summer where I couldn't really walk for like the whole summer. Oh, wow. Um, so when I was like, you know, six or seven, I vaguely remember this as a memory. And I asked my mom recently, I was like, because mm-hmm. someone was like, I think I have Lyme disease. Like, and I looked at, I was like, what's, I don't even really know what that is. And so I like, looked it up. I was like, oh, like you get it from ticks and you get like joint pain. And I was like, something like connected in my head. I was like, yeah. did I have that? And I, I asked my mom, she does not remember me not being able to walk for summer. So you couldn't really walk. Like you were just sore and didn't yeah, want to walk. Not I like you were paralyzed. I don't remember. Wow. It's weird. Yeah. 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 I just remember kind of being really sick one summer where I like, my legs hurt. Yeah. So maybe I had Lyme disease. I don't know. I mean, that's a pretty intense childhood event for... You'd think so, right? Or maybe I'm just like <laughs> so rough and tumble. I was just like, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Like, I'm just a little sore. Did she burn the ticks off of you? I don't think so. No, you just pull them out. You have to make sure you get the head. I, yeah, well, that's the idea. I don't remember, fortunately, ever having had a tick myself. But I grew up in Utah till I was eight. And I know our dogs sometimes got ticks, like in our ears. And the idea is if you, like, hold a lighter to the tick's butt, then they'll freak out and pull their head out um, for you, and then you can no, squish No, I, I think we just, my mom would just take tweezers and pull them out, and you just, like, you just have to pull real steady and even so you don't, like, oh. rip the body off. Yeah, This gross. was just my, this was my childhood. This I'm not, I'm not a big fan of ticks. Of all of the things that I could be a fan well, of. Well, I, I, yeah, I was, I don't, um, yeah, I guess, when did Lyme disease take off? Because this might have been, like, at the beginning, you know, like, when it was just becoming a thing. When it started shooting up the charts. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> I remember in the 90s, people had big freak out about Lyme yeah. disease. But this was, like, you know, early 90s. Right, so right. So that might have been exactly when that was. Yeah. I might have had Lyme disease. Yeah. See, I just, but I will never know, I don't think. Well, at least you don't still. Well, that's the thing. That's the controversial thing about Lyme disease uh, is that people think that they have it forever. Yeah. Um, there's no proof or disproof of this. It's actually like a super controversial issue in the in the medical community, mm-hmm. whether mm-hmm. chronic Lyme disease is a thing or not. 
Yeah. So, like, for example, I if I go to bed at night and I don't set my alarm, I will sleep for 12 hours straight to this day. Yeah. And, like, I've always been like, why am I, like, why can I sleep so long? Everyone else is like, I wish I could sleep 12 hours. And I just like weird theory that it's because mm-hmm. I had Lyme disease and made me tired. This might not make any sense at all. And this might just be bullshit. It's definitely a theory. That's my theory about why I'm so lazy. <laughs> um, well, yeah. I can, I can sleep for 12 hours. I don't usually sleep for 12 hours. Usually I sleep for probably like eight to 10, but I certainly could, if I were tired, I could sleep for a good 12 or 14. And like, if I didn't have a catalyst to wake me up, I wouldn't get up. Yeah, exactly. My boss in my day job, Three and a half hours a night. What? She's one of those go-getters. How like, she, I wish I felt that way. I know, right? How does she stay healthy? That doesn't I don't seem like. Well, was it like Thomas Edison who only slept two hours a night? Yeah. I mean, I, people do that sometimes. I think it's just like metabolism. I think you're. I mean, I mean, it, it's much like metabolism in that everybody's is different. Yeah. Like some people, you know, they go straight to the hips. <laughs> also, there's people, people who sleep in weird cycles because they. There's. Have you heard about that? Like, humans were meant to sleep for like two hours, then be awake for four hours, and then sleep two more hours. Like Kramer. Is that Seinfeld. a thing? Is that a thing? Well, he tried it, and then he ended up passing. Because that's like a theory about <laughs> sleeping: is that we we're not supposed to sleep like eight hours in a row. We're supposed to sleep like two hours, and then take a break, be awake for a while, to, yeah. and then like take sleep. a break from sleeping. Yeah, yeah. Be, you're supposed to sleep like. Every two hours, like, all day long. I don't know. I have no idea. I have no idea what I'm talking about right now. That seems uh, anthropologically sound of yeah, a theory. Right? You like, think- because if you potentially have predators after you, then you might not want to be asleep for long enough for them to track and find you. Yeah. Plus, you're supposed to eat every two hours. So it's like, if you think of eating as sleeping, it's just yeah. in our natural human cycles. They beat together. They, you know, like, eating yeah. and sleeping are... Two very important things. And if you're supposed to eat every two hours all day long, you're probably also supposed to take little naps all day long, too. Hence why I'm lazy. <laughs> <laughs> now, when you were growing up and going to school, were you already into... Like, at what age did you discover music? Well, um, I got into, like, I don't know, pop punk kind of music when I was in yeah. middle school. All right, And I, actually, what happened was I had Napster when I was okay, like, yeah. in eighth grade. And I accident, so I, I liked like no effects in like, uh, you know, music like that um, when I was in like seventh, eighth grade. And then I accidentally download, downloaded the germs because mm-hmm. it was mislabeled as no mm-hmm. effects. Right. So that was like a, a big thing back then. Yeah. When we were like getting Napster is that you'd discover music because you'd accidentally download MP3s that were mistitled. So I accidentally downloaded the Germs Lexicon Devil, and my like whole world changed immediately. That was like when I was fourteen, probably, and uh, I got really into like early eighties punk. Yeah. So like the Germs, Minor Threat, Black Flag, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then that was in Riot Girl, mm-hmm. also like simultaneously. We should mention. Uh, have we even run down kind of what Katie does? We haven't. Let's run it Let's down. Let's do that. <laughs> Katie does so much. I don't know why she says she's lazy because it's not true. <laughs> Uh, Katie plays bass for Vivian Girls. Uh, Katie also has... I don't. Do you consider it a solo project or do you consider uh, it a I'm, band? It's, it was a solo project, but Lucera is now becoming a band. Yeah. Like, organically. Very cool. And, and so Katie's new project is Lucera, uh, which I've, I've heard you pronounce in the... Lucera. Right, but there's a... Lucera. Yes, yes, the Italian way. That's, that's why I named it Lucera was because I was in Italy 
And I heard someone say, La Rosa de la Serra. And I was like, that's the most beautiful phrase. I was like, the rose of the evening. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. I have red hair. This is perfect band name. And then I was like, La Rosa de la Serra is like too long. <laughs> but la Serra. But I also feel like I'd be weird if I walked around being like, hey guys, my name is Katie Goodman. I'm playing La Serra. <laughs> like, it's weird. So I just say La Serra. Like, if you had a Like cake, a good old American. That would work. Yeah. That would work. Yeah. Um, you Were all. You- Touring in Italy or just visiting? I was on tour with Vivian Girls in mm. Italy when I was trying to come up with a band name for La Sera. So I like had made this album and recorded it with my friend Brady. And then we were on tour and, and like every night, like at dinner, me and like uh, Fiona and Cassie would sit around and like brainstorm. Well, not every night, but sometimes we'd like get in like funny band name like discussions because yeah. I'm like trying to figure out a band name. And they'd be like, what about the Like we'd have jokes. <laughs> and that was actually the first one that was like, oh, wait, that actually could potentially be one and yeah. now it is and here now it, it is, is. Here someone just walked by and handed you a band name yeah literally it was a the solo rosa de la Serra is the name of a drink mm-hmm. because a waiter walked by with this like beautiful drink on a tray and mm-hmm. i said what's that so it literally did walk by and then he was like it's la rosa de la Serra. and i was like <laughs> that's a beautiful phrase and then that's how it happened awesome the drink walked by what city was that that oh gosh um that was Ravenna it was a beach town Mm. in Italy we were playing on the beach that was a fun show we played on the beach at a like and there was a runway fashion show going on the same restaurant we played at a restaurant on the beach the patio and there was also before we were going to play our set there was going to be a runway show of like Mm -hmm. local fashion designers so as we're sound checking on the beach there's models like walking to our music which is like not you know fashion runway music probably they were they were they were probably like what the fuck like are we doing right now and they were models walking around the stage that we were playing on but just during soundcheck we asked if they would do it while we played but it did not happen Uh, you've played some uh vivian girls has played some i mean interesting things like you've done coachella you you did cruise Oh, we oh the Bahamas, the Bahamas. NASA Bahamas. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We uh we took the Bruce cruise yeah. down from Miami to NASA. Yeah. And then we played at Senor Frogs. That's it, Senor Frogs, which ha- is pre- yeah. pretty famous, isn't it? Senor Frogs is like a very famous like American American touristy right like two foot long drinks. Yeah. People pouring shots in your mouth style yeah. establishment. And Vivian Girls played there. And half the people in Sonia Frogs were there for, like, the garage rock experience. Yeah. The other half were just regular, like, tourists. Right. So it was very hilarious. What would you say the most unusual place, having played all across the country and around the world, the most unusual tour experience? Oh, gosh. I mean, there's just, like, endless. I don't know. Ooh, I mean, like, unusual, like, different is probably Japan. Yeah. Just because everything's cool there. Mm-hmm. And awesome. But, I mean, playing Sonia Frogs was pretty unusual. We don't usually do that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. We've played a lot of random, really weird things. I can't even... There's, too, like, too many. Yeah. They're, like, literally overflowing in my, in my brain right now. Yeah, yeah. Stopping, stopping it up. Now, in addition to uh, music, you also uh, are very into computers, very into video games. You've written a few video game reviews. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I'm really interested in hearing about you had started to put together a computing club for girls. Oh, that actually never panned out. We no? t- we tried, but then I had to go on tour, and my friend who 
I was like working with got involved in other projects. Yeah. So we had to put that on the back burner. Is it still something you're interested in? Um, maybe at some point, but all of our priorities have shifted in the past. Yeah. That was like a year and a half ago. Yeah. Um, what happened is we wanted me and my friend Kate wanted to do a startup company and way harder than you think that is. <laughs> apparently, we were just like, oh, this will be this will be fun, you know. And uh, we met with a bunch of programmers because you know. You have one side of a startup, which is the ideas, but you have the other side, which is the actual like manual labor of coding. And we were like, oh, that'll be easy to find someone to do. Apparently, very difficult to find somebody to do because yeah. that's a very in-demand job right now, being mm-hmm. the person who codes like an app or a website or whatever for a startup, very in-demand. So I was like, you know what? Like, I'm, I, I can do it. So I decided to learn how to program. Um, so, yeah, I, so I, di- I learned Ruby. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, like, I'm not, like, a master. Mm-hmm. But I learned it well enough to make a video game for it. And so that's on my website. Yeah. So I, I, I made a computer game, which is so basic. <laughs> and if you know anything about computer programming, it's, like, the easiest thing you can make. But because people were, like... She plays music and she can do other things. It was like, uh, you know, people were really into it. Right, right. Um, and this is where, so th- this is a little circle we've taken because I want to plug back into um, the show you're doing, opening up for Julie Ruin. This is going to be at the Echo, September 19th. Um, obviously, this is a Kathleen Hammond's band. Bikini Kill, right, girl? Yeah. I, I want to know about your interest uh, in that. And really briefly, I-, I feel like people have different views on it. Like some people still really love it and feel connected to it um and then and just even within the feminist community there's other people who are still very critical of it and i love it i mean i always have um i got really into riot girl in high school and but i remember walking to school like listening to bikini kill in my headphones being like real angry just getting real mad you know mm-hmm. and uh and the music holds up today mm-hmm. for sure especially bikini kill that's mm-hmm. my that's like my favorite riot girl band uh, the music is still amazing, and in college, you know, I took writing. I made my my, my you know what is it? Your theory. Your thesis. thesis. Your thesis. Yeah. My thesis was on Riot Girl, of course. You know, I'm one of those people who would do that. Uh, my my writing thesis, air quotes again, because I'm like not a writer. It's not like what I did in college or anything. But I had to take one course, and I did that. Yeah. Wrote about Riot Girl. I'm still super connected to it, which is cool because. I'm actually friends with people from that, like, they were, you know, people from that community. Yeah. So, like, Allison Wolf from mm-hmm. Ratmobile, she lives in L.A. I hang out with her all the time. Yeah. I see her all the time. Yeah, she we, just did a L.A. Zine Fest panel. Oh, cool. Uh, was that, that this February? Yeah, like, her and Alice Bag and, yeah. Yeah, me and, uh, me and Allison play in a Slits cover band once a year around December. Two, mm-hmm. two years in a row now. Always super fun to play music with her. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, like, it's cool to... Like, be meeting people who... And becoming friends with people from that scene from the 90s. The original Ryan Curl scene. Right. But I've never met Kathleen Hanna, and I'm very excited. Yeah, this will be it. Like, yeah. the, the big thing, the big meet. <laughs> I'm, I'm so excited because I honestly literally wouldn't be playing music now if it weren't for Julie Rowan. Mm-hmm. Not even Bikini Kill. Right. Julie Rowan. Which uh, uh, is a band now with, like, men and women in it. But at the time... It was just her solo record. Yeah. And when I was in college, I did, I you know played saxophone in band growing in high school and stuff. No no big deal. Like no not like punk style. No ska. You know. <laughs> but it was like in college is when I made my friends that would inspire me to play punk music for the first time. 
when I was like 20, my friends were like, hey, sing in our band. And I was like, all right, fine. But it was only because I of the song, Julie Rowan's song, The Punk Singer, mm-hmm. where I was realized, uh, I was like, oh my God, this song is only four chords the whole time. Yeah. It was Even though I'd been listening to music with like three, four chords in it for years, yeah. it didn't really hit me that this was something that I was capable of doing until I heard that song and like got obsessed with that song and then I learned how to play it on guitar. And I was like, oh, I can do this. Like you just put guitar, you know, you do chords and then you come up with lyrics and melody. It like didn't really come together for me until I was like 20, 21, which is kind of late in the game for most musicians, I think, but it was perfect. And uh, so that now I'm playing with Julie Rowan, not, yeah. not just Kathleen Hanna, but like Julie Rowan, which is like my favorite, that her album's like amazing and I love it. Yeah, that. I remember my friends playing that record. I remember, and I, I've tried to always find the song, you know how sometimes your memory of a song is different than when you play it back again? Mm-hmm. Um, I just remember this one song, I remember it being very dancey and I just remember it like energizing the room and I remember just hearing that constantly at parties. Libby, you were in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Lots of things are going on in Seattle. Yeah, the 90s, yeah. weren't there? That's Mecca. Yeah. <laughs> there were a few things going on. <laughs> Mostly I wore my dad's flannel a lot. <laughs> Mostly I was just really over-involved in overachieving in school because I'm such a nerd. And I don't feel like I was very uh, as plugged into that scene as people would like me to have been because <laughs> no one told me when I was, you know, when you're in the middle of it. Yeah. You don't. You don't realize, I mean, unless it's sure. the Civil War. They probably realized that was going to be historic. They were like, this shit's important. Yeah. <laughs> we think this is going to be kind of important in the future, so maybe we should pay attention to what's happening now. But, you yeah. know, when you're, like, 13, you're not like, yeah, this is really going to be historically important in a social study for the ages. Yeah. yeah. So I should take notes. Yeah. You literally? And you were, you were literally taking notes. Yeah. I was. I was literally <laughs> taking you notes. You were in school. But it was mostly, like, algebra and... Yeah. Uh, you know, literature notes. Yeah. Well, you you were going to college for physics at yes. the time. And so I just, it's hard to, I would imagine, I, I was a liberal arts major. Like, you know, I got English lit degree. So I feel like I, I screwed around a little bit. Like I dish classes all the time to go to shows and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, you saw the whole thing through. You got your, your, your bachelor's in physics and your master's in education specifically. Yes. Physics education. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you say you're lazy, I don't buy it. Because how did you balance that and you're doing all these projects? I did. I actually skipped class a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Throughout college, unfortunately. But that's what textbooks are for. <laughs> you read them and then you're fine. Yeah. See, that's funny. I did exactly the opposite in college. I did not buy a single book in four years, but I went to class every day and paid attention and took notes so that I would never have to read anything. See, I'm the, I'm the opposite. I, I can't. I'm not very good at learning in a, like classroom environment yeah well so they're would, totally different yeah I would, I would just read the book and then i'd be fine yeah well your coding experience that kind of oh yeah well i yeah i read an online book called learn Co- learning wait what's it called uh learn code the hard way.com or something <laughs> it's by this guy zed mm-hmm. he wrote these like online manuals on how to teach yourself the hard way mm-hmm. he's like you can't go the easy way you gotta learn the hard way so learning the hard way is yeah. the, this like series of books that do all these computer languages, and that's how I learned Ruby. Hmm. Actually, my yeah, the Vivian Girls computer game I wrote was actually a homework assignment for that textbook online. Cool. Yeah. And was were you musically? Was that your experience as well? Did you find learning just in the thick of things and? Oh well, yeah. Music friends? was totally different because I don't know anything really about music theory or like. 
uh, I could read music when I was like in middle school, when I was in like mm-hmm. you know high school, the band and stuff. Yeah, but I totally forget how to read music. I'm not really book learned with the the music. Mm-hmm. Music to me was more just like hearing it. Yeah, hearing it and playing it. Yeah, I know you're primarily bass player, and that's what you play in La Sera. Yes. But have you been like playing more guitar? I know when you write. Yeah, uh, I write on guitar, but I'm not like very good at guitar. My fingers are too big. Yeah. Yeah. I smush down all the strings. No, I'm not that bad, but I'm I'm not very good at guitar. You're still not comfortable with, like doing no. live. I I actually I, I love the game where I like I memorize every guitar chord I can possibly th- like find. I just sit online and mm-hmm. look up guitar chords and learn how to play them. But I, it's not like I can actually like switch between them quickly and you know I don't have the agility. Yeah. But I like knowing all the chords that I can possibly learn. And then writing with them. But yeah. then I can't actually play them. But that's why I have excellent guitar players right. in my band. Right. Who's, who's playing with La Sera now currently? Uh, my boyfriend Todd, who is a little guitar virtuoso. He's amazing. And uh, his friend from home, Danny, uh, who's also amazing. And then uh, this guy Mike Gleason from Ventura. So all three of my bandmates are from Ventura, California. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mike and Todd, so my boyfriend and the drummer, played in a band together 20 years ago when they were 12. Wow. A punk band. Mm-hmm. So my band knows each other super well. I'm I'm the one who just met everyone recently. Right. Know, so so, <laughs> so they, they all know each other. They're good friends. They played when they were 12 and they maintained their friendship yes. during all this time? Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. So it's that's a tight-knit rare. crew. Yeah. I'm yeah. certainly not friends with the people I was in a band with. When you were 12. Yeah. We are literally 32 now. So it's like 20, literally 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy. So when, when, (laughs) yeah, when we needed a drummer, Todd was like, well, we can like ask Mike. I've been playing with him for 20 years. I was like, yes, that's (laughs) what you want. And and they're all so good at their instruments. Yeah. And their friendship to me. (laughs) I like them. That's that's a roundabout way of saying, no, they're cool. Yeah. They're so good at their friendship to me. (laughs) You can tell I didn't go to school for English. <laughs> um, how did you and all the Vivian girls come together? Now, and on the East Coast, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, me and Cassie. The Cassie is the lead, the lead girl. Uh, she plays guitar and sings. We went to high school together. So we met in Ridgewood, New Jersey. That's where we both went to high school. And I, I was two years older than her, and we were both nerds. So we didn't really meet until I was about to graduate high school. But we became friends when I was like a senior in high school. She was a sophomore. We met at a Weezer concert. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I like knew who she was because I recognized her from school. Because there's not, you know, she she dressed like super emo. Yeah. You know, like argyle mm-hmm. socks and sweaters. I was more just like kind of haphazard, like, you know, like a punk shirt in jeans or something. But Converse, you know, we both were wearing Converse. And when yeah. you're in high school, you know everyone else that's wearing Converse. And you're like, yeah. They're probably cool. Like, yeah. They're probably cool. You know, like pointing at them at the cafeteria. Important. You're like, oh, they're probably cool. So basically, I saw her outside the Weezer concert at like the Meadowlands. You know, it's no, huge it's arena. Pinkerton tour? The, no, no. This Green Album tour. Oh, okay. This is 2001 or 2002. Okay. okay. Um, and then I saw her outside and I was like, hey, do you need a ride home? Because I like knew her. You know, yeah, like, yeah. I was like, you're, we go to school together. Yeah. We, we might as well just be friends. And she was like, <laughs> she said, who are you? She did not know who I was the way that I knew who Even she was. Even though you were wearing Converse? I know. There's only a couple of us, right? Yeah, okay. yeah. But we became friends that way, from me asking her if she wants to ride home and her having no idea who I was. And then so we started 
being friends then. And then, so she met this girl, Frankie, Frankie Rose. They met in Brooklyn because Cassie was dating Frankie's roommate. And Frankie played drums in bands in San Francisco, and she had just moved to New York. And so she, Frankie and Cassie were like, oh, let's start a band. And then me and Cassie, like a week later, were like hanging out. And she's like, hey, do you want to play bass in this band? Like, I didn't really play bass yet, but mm-hmm. I was like dabbling with like pretending to like learn how to play bass. Yeah. And it just came together that way. And um, and then when Frankie left, um, Allie Kohler joined on drums. And Allie Kohler I met at Rutgers because we both went to Rutgers in New Jersey. And Allie was in my first band, the one that was inspired by Julia Wren. So me and Allie had already been playing together for like two a year or so. And then when we needed a drummer, I was like, bam, there, there's Allie. And Allie lives in LA now, and we're still best of friends. Okay. And I play bass in her band, Upset. Very cool. Yeah. All, all you know, all, all about friend, all about friendships. Yeah, my whole, yeah. mus- my whole musical tree and friend and bands and is all just friends. I just like playing music with my friends. Yeah. together y'all did a lot of touring a lot of touring yes prolific a lot of touring yeah and you actually i mean you had made the decision not to pursue the career that your bachelor's and your master's had prepared you for you were just set to get in the van uh well it was hard it was it was like difficult choice at first and then because it was like we all went to college and then i finished my master's and I did my student teaching. I like I was applying for jobs in New Jersey, New York City for being a physics teacher, and that's like exactly the same. Basically, when I'm applying for these schools is in May 2008, exactly the week that In the Red puts out, or right when our friends put out the first Vivian Girls album. In the Red, Larry Hardy, who lives in Eagle Rock, mm-hmm. uh, emailed us and was like, "I want to reissue this album, like to you know, to the whole world. I want everyone to hear this." and it was like this whole like oh my god like this is actually like we're actually gonna sell records you know that's weird because we we put it out on our friends punk label like no expectations all of our goals originally were just we got together because we wanted to put a vinyl album out yeah none of us had ever been on like a vinyl record mm-hmm. so we were like we just want like an actual record because we were all record collectors yeah mm-hmm. we'd all been in punk bands but we never had actually like had a record put out that was our only goal. So when Larry comes, like, ringing up, and he's like, hey, we want to, like, do CDs, like, internet, you know, vinyl, everything. The, everyone's going to hear this album. It's going to be everywhere. We were, it was just kind of like, oh, I guess I have to stop applying to for jobs now. It was, like, this very strange thing where we all just threw caution to the wind, you know. And that was exactly when we needed uh, a new drummer, too. Mm-hmm. Right when the album mm-hmm. came out is when Frankie left. And Allie, who I went to Rutgers with, had also just graduated college and was looking for jobs so we were in cassie had just graduated she went to school for illustration she was like looking for illustration work so it was like this perfect timing where the band started taking off exactly the month when we all graduated college which that never happens you never hear (laughs) that story like all my friends had to like drop out of college or like never went or you know like because the timings never never works out that well Mm -hmm. for vivian girls for some reason it was exactly when we all graduated college and started looking for jobs. Yeah. So none of us had to, like, quit our job because mm-hmm. we didn't get one yet. None of us had to miss school. Well, I did miss a lot of school when I was – I shouldn't – God forbid my uh, my advisor from my, 
you know, master's program worth listening to this podcast. <laughs> but, but I did a lot of touring during my graduate school. It's too school. late now. The degree's yeah, already in it's, your hand. It's, it's in my hand. I'm certified, you know. But it's like during that year when I was doing my, my graduate school, I was missing a lot of it. And I was... Yeah. Staying out till two, playing shows in New York, and then driving home, getting home at like three thirty in New Brunswick, waking up at five to go teach high school all day. Like, it was really like a rough year. But then it didn't really, we didn't really start doing stuff till after we graduated, which was very nice. Yeah. Sorry, I'm rambling. No, no. Do you I, do you look back at that fondly? That crazy year. Yes. Oh yeah. It was it was super sure. worth it. Yeah. It was super worth it. We had like from. May 2007 to May 2008 was all of our, like, last years of college. For me, it was graduate school, and it was just crazy. We weren't really touring that much yet. We were, we were like, going on short tours every couple months for that year. But it was just mostly for me because I was teaching high school. It was hard because I'd have to drive into New York, play a show that would end at 2 or 3, like, go all the way home, then have to, like, teach high school the next day. I had a couple panic attacks. Cried in the stairwell a couple times. Yeah. Just from being tired. But it was all worth it in the end. Now I look back and laugh. Huh. <laughs> oh, I was so stressed out. Well, I hope it doesn't actually happen to you. I'm, I'd be kind of excited to see the show where your master's advisor comes to the show and everyone's yelling, we love you, you rock. And they're like, give me back your master's degree. You don't deserve it. <laughs> yeah, I've heard in the crowds like, we love that you like half-assed your college degree so much that you would be up there on stage right now. It's like <laughs> the longest thing anyone's yeah. ever yelled at me on stage. <laughs> gonna come and yell that i often have that nightmare where i get the phone call or the letter they're like oh you were short of credit because uh, it took me forever to get my bachelor's i had uh we'll just say personal trauma no some things happened i had to stop for a while i went back i finished the degree mm-hmm. it's good good job thank you i worked really hard i mean it, it was a bachelor's in english from arizona state university so it's you know it's not like a crazy masters from Harvard or anything, but I worked hard to get it. Yeah, yeah. And so I like, have that nightmare, like you mm, get the letter. Yeah. See, I've actually never seen my diploma. Really? So I don't even know where it is. They didn't mail it to you on. They might have mailed it to my parents' house. I missed both my graduations uh, for being on tour. Yeah, well, I became at some point I became very disconnected from my college career. I can't believe I finished. Yeah. Both of my graduations I missed. I got two, one for bachelor's, one for master's. Was on tour, both of them. So I didn't... I've never seen my diploma. I think it's at my parents' house. Cost $50 to get a new one. I looked into it. I was like, I know it'd be kind of cool to have my diploma on my wall. And I looked into it. I was like, 50 bucks? Fuck you. And I slammed (laughs) down the phone. I was like, I I trust that I made this, that I got this, but I don't need to see it. So Maybe it feels like... Your mother may be hiding things from you. <laughs> like, Lyme disease, I don't know what you're talking about. Diploma? What diploma? You didn't go to college. Like, <laughs> Maybe. It's family secrets. Who's, hmm. Whose mom hides things from them that, that they themselves earn? As opposed to hiding like, oh, well, I don't really know who your dad is. Or that's a, that's a big secret. Write. I don't know. Maybe your parents are spies. <laughs> I like these conspiracy that's a good. Yeah. That's a good secret to hide. Bottom line is, my, my diploma is somewhere. Yeah, I've seen it. So my, it's also one of my nightmares, though. Yeah, being like one credit short because, like, yeah. I don't, I literally have never seen it. So who yeah. knows? It might not exist. That's never even occurred to me. But now you guys are making me paranoid. Yeah, it's it's a very common, I think, nightmare. That um, and like the naked in front of a crowd thing, and do that, that kind of happened to me once. Yeah. Well, not really, but in Vivian Girls, we have a lot of really funny stories about our outfit, like having outfit failures mm-hmm. on stage because because we're girls. 
And we like going shopping the day of the show, buying new outfits, wearing them on stage, not like constant, you know, and we jump around. Mm-hmm. So things have gone awry before. Right. So in one of them, like, there's this Rough Trade documentary that Vivian Girls are on uh, where we played in their store. And I was wearing a dress that was very cute. But by the end of the sh- at the end of the show, I was like, we were like, thank you, good night. And I took my bass off and realized that my dress had been unzipped all the way down the side the entire show. So like bra, underwear, just like every like wide open. And I said into the mic, I was like, wait, was this like this the whole time? <laughs> and everyone just like slowly nods and they're like, yep. And I'm like, oh my god. And that's on DVD somewhere. Yeah. I've never <laughs> that show is on DVD. It Vivian also played the show in Toronto, opening for Fucked Up, where Allie bought a shirt cool shirt looked great was playing drums and mm-hmm. as you know drummer drumming because sometimes things ride up yeah her shirt had ridden up all the way over her bra <laughs> and she was wearing pantyhose so like you know that line yeah. of like pantyhose she had that full bra shirts up to here doesn't even know her boyfriend's at the show, Eloy, who I love, who is like great. He lives in LA too. Mm-hmm. She, he is so secondhand embarrassed for her that he has to leave, go outside because he can't. He's trying to wave to her to let her know that her shirt's like yeah, completely right. up over her boobs, but there was no way. So he like left, like feeling sick from embarrassment <laughs> for her. She didn't even know. So yeah, that happens sometimes where you're on stage naked. And you yeah. don't even mean to. Yeah, but if the music's so good, then yeah, nobody. Yeah, knows. no one even noticed because they were just like being taken away to such a beautiful place in their minds by our, by our sweet tunes no one noticed that our outfits were falling apart yeah. that's I always wear thigh highs it's never occurred to me that anyone would see the where the pantyhose actually come all the way up to like my rib cage oh anyway. yeah that's not a good look no yeah, if, you're, if you're wearing like pantyhose up to your like belly button and then your shirt comes up it's yeah like, right no, it's that's, weird yeah it's very awkward look that's a great endorsement for thigh highs. Yeah. Um, I am curious. You said that all of your band members graduated like right before you started having excellent success and all kinds of things to do. What would everyone's job be if you weren't a kick-ass band? Well, I would, as I've said mm-hmm. previously, physics teacher. Right. Um, Allie got a degree in German. Mm-hmm. So she was looking into translating jobs, high, high school jobs, um, she, as far as I know, she was looking into doing an education degree, but I don't think she got to that point before the band took off. But I don't remember, I remember her looking for jobs, like, somewhat in the German translation field. Yeah. Um, Cassie got a degree in illustration. She, I don't know what she, she'd be, I'd probably just be doing freelance illustration. Mm-hmm. Uh, she did, all of Vivian Girl's artwork is, is her, she draws it all. Cool. Um, yeah, that's what we'd be doing. Yeah. Yeah. So you were part of this scene on the East Coast, um, and it seems like around the time Share the Joy came out, you moved out to Los Angeles. Um, yeah, uh, about three years. I moved two years. to LA. Wait, let me think. Timing was I think six months before we recorded Share the Joy. Does that make sense? I moved yeah. here in early 2010. Okay. Yes, Share the Joy came out in 2011, I think. Yes. Now, you're already plugged into a great scene, and the band's doing great. What prompted... And you grew up on the East Coast. You were East Coast your whole life. What prompted the move to our fair city of angels? I just had such a lonely winter in New York. Mm-hmm. New York's cold. And, uh, like, I just had a really bad winter. And uh, I 
also ever since I started coming to LA regularly through tour so mm-hmm. so for years Vivian girls have been coming to LA a couple times a year and every time I'd come I'd say I'm gonna move here one day like soon I'm definitely gonna move here this is where I'm meant to be I'm happier in LA than anywhere else and everyone was like yeah right like whatever you know like when are you gonna find the time to do that and then I had one exceptionally cold lonely winter in New York where you're paying way too much to live like in a cold shoebox mm-hmm. uh, and I was just like that's it I'm moving and I moved despite what anyone would say or think <laughs> I uh, I drove out here so, I feel I feel like the the world at large like there are so many people who never believe when you tell them you're moving like uh, that happened to our friend Lizzie Pilcher who's an excellent stand-up she was on the show and uh, there was you know she had a, a move catalyst as most of us do but I feel like every time I've moved, and most times, it's been within two weeks. I'm like, I'm going to move. And then, like, two weeks later, I live somewhere else. But people are just like, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. Oh, wait, where did you go? Why did you leave? I told you I was moving. Yeah, I'm also the kind of person who moves with, like, two weeks' notice. Yeah. Like, you know, got to be spontaneous. See, I have a thing where, back home, they keep expecting me to come back anytime in, I talk about In Arizona? About yeah. Okay. Like, they, I keep talking about, like, oh, you know, we're not sure about this neighborhood, the, the, the rent's getting too high, whatever, we're, you know, we're talking about moving, like, I just moved now, and it's like, and there's always a conversation, like, oh, well, would you consider moving back to Phoenix? Like, no, I love, <laughs> I love where I am. Um, yeah. I'll come visit, maybe, but, yeah, did you get the feeling from people that they're like, oh, no, you're a New York person now? No. Because you, you were in Brooklyn. Yeah. Right? With the band, you were all... Yeah, I lived in Brooklyn, like technically for two years mm-hmm. i think but we were on tour 10 months a year so mm-hmm. it was just this thing where we'd go on tour and then we'd get back we'd have i spent so much money on rent i was never home and then when you, we'd be home for like three days i'd be like in this shoebox it's like gross apartment with bugs and stuff and you're like this is like i don't want to come home to this like when i'm on tour it's like you know it can be hard you want to come home and feel like you're on vacation mm-hmm so that's when I like that's why I moved to LA because I was like oh if I'm not on tour I want to feel like I'm on vacation we're better than LA for that and uh, people who know me have never once asked me if I'm coming back because they know how happy I am here and they're just like oh yeah Katie's a California girl like automatically I'm I'm too chill for New York yeah everyone there was like oh, of course like it was like it kind of made sense it how wasn't did, weird how did your family feel about it Did they come visit you yet they have they came here for Christmas uh, they like it I mean. We, I've been traveling for so long, and they kind of, I think they knew that I wasn't going to, like, stick around in my hometown, or, like, mm-hmm. even New York for that long. Yeah. We're also kind of spread out. My parents live in Ridgewood. My brother and his wife live in Boston. I've, I've been moving around since I was 18, just, you know, weird, you know, just all over. I lived in Austin and Boston before, and I went to school in Rochester for a little bit before I dropped out. Yeah. Before I went to Rutgers. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I've just been kind of roaming the lands for a while yeah so it was not unexpected that i moved to la no one was questioning i like oh she'll be back yeah everyone's like oh yeah there she moved (laughs) say goodbye bye so you come here you've been here for a few years now um you start doing la sarah Mm -hmm. um and i'm I'm sure and i know people have been bugging you asking like well when's we gonna get to see vivian girls again where's gonna be another record and and all that Mm -hmm. but are you you feel like you're plugged in for a while now, just living because the band's spread out. I mean, there's a couple people here. Girls. Yes. Well, Cassie lives in New York, but me and Ali. So uh, we had another drummer, Fiona, uh, who was in the band for two years. 
love Fiona, but she moved to Portland. So, uh, and she didn't want, she didn't want to tour as much anymore and things like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but Allie, who wasn't the Vivian girl's second drummer, and then she was in Best Coast for two years. And now she's back in Vivian girls cause she's still my, my bro. Yeah. And so when Fiona wanted to leave, we were like, Allie, do you want to do it? And she was like, yeah, totally. So Vivian girls is now technically a band again with Allie as drums. But Cassie lives in New York, so we don't really do that much. But also, bands need time to breathe, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, we, Vivian Rolls went so hard for so many years in a row, just like nonstop. You know, if we weren't touring, we were writing the next album, you know, it was just no breaks. So, like, right now, we're, I think we're all having fun doing other things. Yeah. And, you know, taking a breather. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That way, when we come back to do Vivian Rolls again, it'll be like, you know, refreshing and new as opposed to like, you know, sounding tired. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the first two Lacera records. Um, I feel like the first one was that girl pop influence. I'm mm-hmm. sure I'm like the millionth person to say this. And then the next one was more, you know, fast driving harder. There was, um, I know one of the songs uh, you said you wrote it uh, as if it were a Misfits song. Yes. Um, Please be my third eye. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, how as you're working on your next record now um, it's we're just finishing it up right now yeah uh yeah one one more day of recording probably next week and then it'll be done so how has the sound for la Sera evolved this time well this record sounds i think totally different than the last two uh first of all this one is more of a band so basically the first album i just wrote a bunch of songs by myself demoed them on my computer sent them to my old friend Brady, uh, he lives in Seattle, mm-hmm. and he re-recorded all of the songs by himself at his studio that he built in his house. And then I was like, he sent them, sent me back a recording, an instrumental version of one of my songs, and was mm-hmm. like, do you like this? And I was like, I love this. And he's like, I'm gonna do the whole album. Because I didn't know I was gonna even make an album. I was just writing songs and sending them to my friend uh, just to see what he thinks. Mm-hmm. Um, and that became, I, I flew out to Seattle, recorded the vocals at his house. like. That album kind of threw itself together, like, so elegantly. And then our friends were in Seattle, Hardly Art, which is my label. Mm-hmm. They, were, they were in Seattle. So I was, when I was there doing vocals, I was hanging out with Ruben from Hardly Art. And we gave him the CD. We were like, hey, we made this. And he's like, let's put it out. It was just, like, very, it all just worked out yeah. perfectly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that one, Brady definitely helped influence the sound of that one. But what I definitely took from Vivian Girls for my first La Sarah record was Harmonies, which is my job in Vivian Girls is adding harmonies to mm-hmm. things. So I, you know, went crazy with harmonies. And uh, and then for the second album, I wrote a bunch of songs again. And I, my friend Rob, who was in Dark of My Love, and he does all sorts of albums. He produces albums now. Um, he put a band together to, you know, to record the album. And we, it was very direct. He, he like, you know, in, led all the instrumentation. Uh, again, I let someone else take the reins with you know, what instruments we put on songs and things. Um, but it was kind of just us two working on it, and then we had people play on it. But third Lacera album, the one that's coming out next, is definitely, I've been writing it with a band for the past six months. So, like, every part of the song, it sounds more like a band effort. So mm-hmm. there's more things going on in each song. Like, there's bass lines, there's, there's like, drum parts. Like, no, no, no real aspect is being overlooked. Because it definitely sounds like a band. And sonically, it... When you put it on, like, the first song, it kind of sounds like it could be, like, a minor threat record, which is awesome. It sounds 80s rock, kind of. Like, 
It sounds like it could be a Minus Right album. It sounds like it could be The Pretenders, Cheap Trick, The Cars. It sounds yeah. kind of like that. So, yeah. And that's what we went for all the way, was like kind of Pretendersy vibes. Uh, we have some hard, we have a hardcore song. It's not like super hardcore song. It still has harmonies and things. So yeah. So you <laughs> like when you hear it, it kind of sounds like it's, but it's like my favorite thing I've done. That's great. And it's yeah. so it's weird to be so confident already, but I'm like, oh man, this uh, this next album, I'm so excited for <laughs> because it's really like everything that I love about music on an album. It's all my favorite things uh, that I like, not, like all in one. Have you, uh, for me, it's always, and you, you were talking about this as far as the, the band name game around the table, um, like, do you have all the tracks named? Like, are you pretty confident mm-hmm. that the record's going to be called? Ooh. Um, throwing around ideas right now. No, we don't. Yeah. I have an idea. No. Throwing around ideas. There's, throwing around there's, ideas. There's the title. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There, I mean, I'm thinking about naming it the album, one of the titles of one of the songs. Okay. But I'm not sure yet. Haven't done that yet. Yeah. So, in a, yeah, there's some pretty epic there's an epic middle middle jam on it yeah the song in the middle of the album i'll just i'll just say it's called hour of the dawn and i was like that would be cool band like album name yeah because Mm -hmm. it's it's a kind of a play on seize the light Mm -hmm. so like that was the second album was called seize the light and Mm -hmm. so i'm like oh there's continuing theme of you know light versus dark the first song on the album is called losing to the dark Mm -hmm. which is you know kind of like a almost like a, th- a thread going from the last album about being hopeful to this one being like very frustrated right off the bat yeah uh, it's like a super abrasive song but there's still harmonies and things <laughs> so Lacerra fans like won't it won't be like alienating but it's definitely more aggressive in some ways and uh, it's called losing immediately losing to the dark which I like it's like you know, falling down this tunnel, but then immediately goes back up into like happy Lacerra pop land. So don't worry. <laughs> but it's definitely a roller coaster of emotions, you know, as always. Very cool. I'm very excited about it, Good. as you can tell. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> excited. Libby, am I excited? Yeah. It's, it's a very, very excited vibe. It's, yeah. I mean, when you're so confident and so, yeah. so thrilled about what you've created, then yeah. I can I've, help but be contagious. I've definitely never put more thought into anything that I've ever worked on. Well, that's a hell of an endorsement. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I like that the there's continuing to be a theme. I mean, yeah, there's definitely light versus dark is always yeah. a theme. Which Lacerda is called the eve. It means the evening. Right, right. It's about dark. You know, like it's right. kind of about finding light in the darkness, which is like a common theme throughout my songs. Mm-hmm. I, I can't now unhear the title of that second record as anything now but S E I Z E. Oh, I know. Well, that was on purpose too. Yeah. Yeah. It's supposed to, yeah. It's, Even I though it's spelled S-E-E-S, yeah. That was the main, one of the main reasons I wanted to call it Seize the Light, was so that people would think it was, you know, seizing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Going out there and grabbing it, which is also a theme for that record. Yeah. But, oh, and also this record, the new record, super influenced by my boyfriend's guitar playing. Lots of solos. Yeah. <laughs> he is quite a shredder, and we were just like, fuck it, let's go for it. Mm-hmm. Rock, so, just like... He's, you know, it's 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 fun. It's a really fun album. Lots yeah. of guitar solos. Every song I think has a guitar solo in it. And you're gonna be playing these songs up and down the coast for this uh, yeah, these September I mean, dates with Julie Ruin. Yeah, probably not that many of them. I'd love to just play this album, mm-hmm. but you're not supposed to do that, right? You know, it sucks when you're a music fan, including myself. I'm a music fan. I love bands, but you always only want to hear songs that you know. You know, so it's like. As a fan, I totally get that. Mm-hmm. But as a musician, I only want to play new songs ever. So it's 
you know, it's this, you know, battle in my mind. About, yeah. So all I, I'm so excited about new songs. All I want to do is play new songs, but you're not supposed to. It's not, <laughs> yeah. it's not the album cycle. People don't know the songs. No one likes watching a bunch of songs they don't know, you know. Yeah. So, you know, I'll probably still be playing the old ones. <laughs> Reluct- yeah. Reluctantly. <laughs> no, I still like them, but you sure. know, it's I'm so excited about new ones. That, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, that's true of most most stuff. I mean, these are discussions that we have a lot on Shaky Town, just like the philosophy of art. But uh, you know, as an artist, you always want to like create something new and put out the new stuff. But whoever your fan base is gets excited about the one thing. Yep. I mean, even if uh, you're talking about Picasso or like Da Vinci, like people want to see. The, 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 the thing that's on mugs all over the world and uh, not necessarily all of the the more obscure pieces or and, so yeah. and that's how I am too so it's not like yeah. I'm, I'm like yeah I'm not like I only want to watch bands play new songs yeah you know, like why can't everyone be like me like <laughs> no I'm, I agree I also like watching the hits you know like so so it's, it's a hard balance I think of like introducing the new stuff so that it becomes a favorite so that then it will be a hit but like sneaking it in there there to be like, people are so ungraceful some <laughs> yeah. when it comes to that okay I don't want to like throw people under the bus but whenever I watch bands and they're like this is our new song here's the chorus sing along like it's explaining like what the yeah. chorus is and it's like <laughs> all right we get it like <laughs> nothing not you know no hate but it's always like don't explain to the audience how to sing along to a song they've never heard before. It's It comes off weird to me. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yes. you're very into it seems like things coming together organically. Yeah, you can't force people to do things. Even when I'm like, hey, you guys, you should move up. You know, people are saying too far back. I still feel cheesy because I hate when bands say that. Yeah. But then I go on stage and I'm immediately like, why are you guys so far away? Yeah. So it's, it's this huge battle inside always of balancing like being a musician and being a music fan where sometimes those worlds are so yeah. separate. I want to ask, is there any disconnect between the shows that you came up going to and the ones you play now? Or do oh, you feel like it's yeah. the same? No, no. The shows I went to when I was like in high school, college were, you know, at punk houses and squats and like, you know, illegal warehouses. And um, the shows I play now are way more real shows usually sometimes mm-hmm. I play get to play like fun shows yeah. not saying that real mm-hmm. shows aren't fun shows but I'm you know I kind of grew up in the punk show world so yeah. throw, I used to throw shows in my basement in New Brunswick mm-hmm. uh, bands would stay at my house all the time you know that was like my world so the shows I play now are definitely like I, I didn't play a show with a monitor for years <laughs> like I remember the first time I got monitors and I was like oh my god this is crazy <laughs> you can hear everything you know <laughs> I got so used to like shouting into the the darkness you know into the void where yeah. you know but now it's like oh everything's perfect you know? yeah you can hear every little thing yeah so that's for that's for sure not the same and how have you felt about being in Los Angeles now for a few years and the scene here? I mean, do you still have a chance to go out to shows here? Oh, yeah. I go to shows all the time. Um, yeah. Because right now I'm not touring. Mm-hmm. This is the... Right now I'm in the middle of the longest touring break I've ever taken since... Uh, for like seven years or something. Yeah. So I'm not touring. The last time I... Well, this is all in air quotes too because I did do like a two-week tour in Spain in April. Mm-hmm. But it was just like a one-off, so I don't think. Yeah. Still tour, I guess. But it's like not long tours. But I, you know, that's what I do when I'm home is go to shows. 
still. Not all the time. Maybe yeah. like once every week or two. Have you been following? There's been um, a lot of good articles lately in LA Weekly about the DIY venues and the city coming down on them. And I've heard a lot of discussion about that from friends of ours. Um, what do you think? Is there, have you had... Have you had the experience yet of going to any of these, uh, well, we'll say, below-the-radar kind of clubs? I was or? about to recently. Um, so I'm playing in Alley from Vivian Girls. Her solo project is called Upset. Well, it's not solo. It's a band, but it's mm-hmm. her band. Um, playing bass in it this summer. And we were going to play a show at the, I think it was called The Fort? Yeah. Yes, and that show got moved because it got shut down like three days before that show. Yeah. So And it got moved to the bootleg. Theater. Okay. But I was going to play a show at the LA mm-hmm. Fort, which is an under-the-radar place, but yeah. it just got shut down. Yeah. I think that's... Uh, Rhea was talking about that. Um, yeah, I don't know if I'm familiar with the news. Are they shutting it down because of, like, fire code or... So, I mean, there's just... In LA, the city really nickel and dimes venues mm-hmm. and, and really yeah. just, as far as the license licensing and things like that, just... It, it's crazy here. Mm-hmm. Um... They just come up with excuses for why your place can't have shows. Hmm. And it seems to be there's, uh, I mean, there's conspiracy theories about like, oh, so-and-so venue owner really like, you know, is pushing for their venue to be the only place. And Yeah, I always hear about those. Yeah. You, never, you never know. Yeah. Usually it's just like some neighbor calls because it's too loud. Right, right, right. The fort was surprising though because it's... I've never been there. Okay. I was going to go there. Right, 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 right. It got shut down. Yeah. Right. It's just hard to have, like, a DIY venue scene here because yeah. of, of the way the city has things structured and, and how long it takes to get permits and It's a shame that. because, like, pl- being a band, starting out being a band on the East Coast is, to me so far, was is so much easier than starting a band in L.A. Because mm-hmm. in New York, especially, you can play, like, two shows a night forever. Yeah. You can play a show in, in, like, a bar in the Lower East Side and then go play, like, a warehouse in Brooklyn that night, later that night, and no one even thinks twice. But LA, if you play more than one show a month, people are like, "Get out of town! <laughs> Why are you playing all the time?" You know, it's like a totally different vibe, and maybe that's because there are less venues or less under the radar venues. Mm-hmm. You know, because like the the real venues, you know, around town don't want you to play there and then somewhere else like down the street the next night you know you're not supposed to do that anywhere even you're not supposed to do that in new york either but there's so many show like under the radar shows in new york that you can just play all the time yeah you know Mm -hmm. work get better as a band work on your art spread your music you can do it so much easier in new york than it is here because you're not allowed to play all the time here and you're you're no stranger to the comedy community you're a fan of comedy totally uh todd does stand up he did. Yeah. For, uh, he was doing it last year for a little bit, but he doesn't really do that anymore. But yeah. he writes jokes regularly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's hilarious. So you're, I mean, you're plugged in and you know how, you see how it works so much differently where you can go around and oh, do yeah. all that. Yeah, I go to comedy shows all the time and like comics come in, do their set, and then go like, to five other ones that same night. Yeah, and yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. well, not, maybe not five. Yeah. But, you know, multiple shows a night. Yeah. Yeah. Since, since uh, Shaky Town's roots are in comedy and, and the co-creator gene george who, who's not with us today um you know it, it is in that standard world it's not inappropriate for us to ask about your favorite comedians right now yeah. well the other night i went to uh i think it's called the business at lyric hyperion theater and it's my fr- i'm friends with this guy sean o'connor who's a comic 
and Chris Thayer, and that it's like their night. Okay. Well, with other people mm-hmm. too, but uh, it was excellent. So I, you know, Chris Thayer, Sean O'Connor. I like. I mean, there's a there's a bunch. Tig Notaro is really good. Yeah. She yeah. she did a set the other night at that show. Uh, I don't know. There's a lot. Yeah. I can't think of any more right now. There's as many comedy venues I feel like here as there are music venues. Yeah, I mean, I, there's so many good comedians in LA. This is like where they mm-hmm. this is where they live. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess being a comic in LA is kind of like being a musician in New York. Yeah. Where it's like endless opportunity. The world's your oyster. You can just do anything you want. You know, like that's how being a band in New York is. Yeah. I feel like comedy is just as strong in New York, too, though. I mean, I was thinking about when you were saying that, that you could go here from one venue to another in a night. And in New York, I feel like there's just as many opportunities for comics, but you can actually get to more sets a night in New York. (laughs) Just by virtue of the fact that they're closer together, you can, like, walk down the block and hit, like, three shows in Harlem. Or you can hop on the train, and here, if you want to go venue to venue to venue, you have to drive 45 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, I I was never that involved in comedy when I lived in New mm-hmm. York. I would go to UCB sometimes, sure, but not like not as I didn't know, do as much there mm-hmm. as I do here. Yeah, and how do you like getting around? Because you're definitely an East Sider. Yes, so um, like, so I drive. I have a car, I have a little Honda Fit. Mm-hmm. You, how do you feel as far as getting around here compared to the East Coast? I had a car when I lived in New York. Okay. I was one of those weirdos. Yeah. 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 So I've That's always weird. lived in the same way. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, I've always just had a car. So, yeah. I really want to, like, embrace mass transit. Like, I'm really trying. I, and I've had to for the last several weeks because uh, having moved um, and sharing a car with my spouse, I'm having to, to take transit more. And I don't know. Yeah. It, it's, I, it seemed more fun in... in the little time I've spent in New York than it does It does here. seem more fun there, right? <laughs> yeah. It's less fun in L.A., for sure. But, uh, yeah. people. What people say about L.A. I don't think is super true. People come here to L.A. and they get stuck in traffic. Mm-hmm. And then they say, like, everyone drives in L.A. I hate it. But really, the reason why people come to L.A. and get stuck in traffic is that they treat L.A. like it's one city. When in reality, you should treat it like a bunch of cities mm-hmm. that are near each other. So, like, my friends from out of town, they'll come to L.A. and be like, hey, okay, so we want to, like, go to the beach, and then we want to go to the Griffith Observatory, and then we're going to, like, go hit up the uh, the theater, you know, the Chinese mm-hmm. theater. And I'm like, those are all separate days. <laughs> Do those on different days, or you will be in trouble. And people don't, they, you know, they're so used to thinking of city as a city. To mm-hmm. me, L.A. is a bunch of towns. Yeah. yeah. So you don't get stuck in traffic if you stick in your neighborhood or, like, take side streets or you don't overreach. Like, going to the beach, for me, is like, a, a, that's a huge deal. Yeah. That t- that's like a day trip, pack a lunch. Yeah. And like, that's not, you don't just zip over to the beach. Everyone comes to LA thinking you need to go drive over to the beach real fast. It's like, you're going to get stuck in traffic, and you're going to complain to me about it. <laughs> so, just stop where you are right now. Make that a day trip. Don't plan things for that night. Go hang out at the beach all night. It's nice <laughs> It's nice down there. I like it. But definitely don't, don't like, make fill your day up with plans all over the city because you're going to be disappointed yeah that's my advice to anyone coming to visit la yep you heard you heard it here on the Town radio yeah LA, um, la travel advice yes we won't take any shit and we're not about to leave just as you don't like doing what we want to be who are you to say what's wrong and what's right if it's what it takes we're ready to fight Ready to
You can find us on the internet at shakytownradio.com. You can Twitter us at at shakytownradio. You can like us on Facebook at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash shakytownradio. Send us an email at shakytownradio at gmail.com or call us on the Shakytown Radio hotline at 626-66-SHAKE. That's 667-4253. That's the same number. You're listening to Shakytown Radio. This is Aurora Lady, and I'm wearing a pajamas. We won't take any shit, and we're not about to leave. You're very plugged into internet culture. Like you, you, you love blogs. I don't love blogs. You may not, but you're familiar. I'm with familiar lots of blogs. with blogs, yeah. And you're familiar with um, weird little things that really we only talk about on the internet, like juggalos. Yeah. I feel like you have a juggalo <laughs> fetish. I did tweet about juggalos today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. That's cool. How is that a culture? That's awesome. <laughs> that's that's like that's who could make that up? And you can't make that up. No, you can't. No. So I, I just like your perspective on in one sense, you're very much in the world, very worldly, traveling, touring, all these good things and stuff. But also you you've done the, the hours and hours of Halo. You Oh yeah. You've you've done the you you've been in into the coding. You've been in you know, so you very much also that internalized world of computers and internet and blog culture and things yeah. um, is one. Did you find it an escape from having to when you're like when you don't feel like working on things? You you've been working on a song, having a problem with a melody, whatever. You're just like I'm done. I'm putting down the guitar and I'm just gonna go play a game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm definitely an internet kid. Like I got it when I was in when I was ten. Started making what bought a book the. The, you know, the big black book on HTML. Mm-hmm. Started making websites when I was, you know, 11. Was like, re- that was like my world uh, for all of high school pretty much. Was just playing computer games by myself in my room. Yeah. Do you, do you still do it as much uh, in Los Angeles now? No. I'm on more of an adult now. <laughs> but recently I got into playing Settlers of Catan yeah. online. Okay. I don't, I've only played the... Have you played this I've game? I've only played the... Uh, Board game. Yeah, to let you in on my in my mind a little bit, this is what happened. A week ago, my roommates were like, Hey, Katie, do you want to come play this board game with us upstairs? And I was like, sure. Yeah, that sounds fun. We played one game of Settlers of Catan. It took us three hours because none of us knew how to play it. So right. it was like a lot of like reading the guide, like learning. And then everyone, we were like, oh, good game, guys. That was awesome. And everyone, you know, went to bed. I went online and looked up strategy guides <laughs> on how to play Settlers of Catan. Downloaded like this program to pl- be able to play it online the next day. Spent eight hours playing online <laughs> with strangers. Just like in also looking at strategy guides, I've got in my phone about point values of each of the squares. Yeah. This is how I think. This is how my brain works is I become very obsessive and like weird about stuff. And then two, three days later, my roommates were like, hey, we think we're going to play that game again. And I was like, oh, cool. And then like we go upstairs and I'm like, and then I didn't win. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck? I literally been studying strategy guides. <laughs> <laughs> for like three days straight, my roommates have played one game before, and this is their second game. <laughs> Yet in the end, there's only so much you can do. It's all a roll of a dice. Yeah. yeah. You know, my my sixes and my eights, they just didn't come up. I I got all the best squares on the board, but like the you know the the dice just didn't land the way you want them to, and there's still nothing you can do. It's all a game of chance in the end. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I had a failure. 
but I still play online almost every day. Is there, is there like an online tournament community? Like if you win online, does something? Um, I mean, I'm bad still. Hmm. People who play Settlers of Catan online are very good at it. Mm -hmm. Like very, very good at it. So you start viewing the board as just a, like a series of hotspots and like, you know, like where yeah. point values are. And if you, like, if you don't go in the right spots, people on, on there will be like, what did you, why didn't you just like do that? You know, cause there's like a correct way oh, of yeah. doing everything on there. It's, and I'm still learning. And they want to scold you for it. Well, it's just like <laughs> a lot of, imagine the kind of people we're talking about. Sure. I mean, who I'm playing with. So it's, I'm not excluded, but uh, well, they obviously weren't busy putting out the best album of their career. Oh, well. so they had time. <laughs> <laughs> they had more time than me to uh, yeah. to research how to play online. I can't came to mind that in that movie, The Wizard. Is that what it was called with Fred Savage? Was Jenny Lewis? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've never seen it, but I know about it. Just when she said tournament, I was just imagining you know <laughs> that th- uh, third act of the movie, them all gathering. Playing Super Mario. Dude, speaking of like t- tournaments and stuff, mm-hmm. how is, how do people how do people talk about anything except the fact that the owner of MegaVideo.com was also the best uh, Halo player in the entire world? <laughs> Him.com, that big guy who like lives mm-hmm. in New Zealand and is in jail, I think now. Is and he had like seventeen cars? One of his license plates was God. Oh, he's geez. like this amazing. Or it might have been Modern Warfare. Okay. He, He's literally the best video game player in the world, and he runs a me- the Mega Video Empire. Yeah, yeah. How is like there no movie or TV show about this guy? Because we haven't written it. He yet. changed his name to Kim.com. <laughs> he he's 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 huge guy. Have you seen pictures of him? No, he's no. like four hundred pounds. He has a video game chair, and there's a video on YouTube of him winning like the worldwide tournament. I think it's Modern Warfare, which I also love, by the way. And, uh, <laughs> He wins. He beats everybody. But we're talking about beating everyone in Asia, where, like, playing video games is a profession sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, like, winning tournaments is, like, a job. Yeah. He beat everybody. And he is the owner and, like, runner of Mega Video, has cars with license plates that say God. You know, like, how often is someone who talks that game actually mm. that good at it? So, you know, like, he talks a big game, license plate that says God. And he is actually the best video game player in the world. And he dresses up like Santa, apparently. Oh, you this. He's a phenomenal. <laughs> like, I would watch anything about him on TV. How is there nothing so far? There's, that's the conspiracy. Is how yeah. is there not, like, ten shows about this guy? Maybe, maybe he's waiting to sell his life rights until the stock price of them skyrockets. Maybe. Hmm. He's, he is a, a, a crazy dude, and I want to know everything about him. I like you're on his Wikipedia page. Yeah. I haven't even been to his Wikipedia page, and you'd but think now we may do it. that I would have already. Now, now you have some reading material. Yeah, about. I need to know everything about him. <laughs> he, I mean, he might be a terrible guy for all I know. I don't know. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to vouch for this person. But I don't know anything about him except for the fact that what are the odds that he's like one of the richest dudes in the world and the number one video game player in the world? <laughs> Mega Video was like the number one site for mm. illegal streaming. And I had a membership. <laughs> I had a membership. It was fifty dollars for six months, and I would, I would pay. I used to pay fifty dollars yeah. every six months to be able to watch anything I wanted online all the time through Mega Video. Mm-hmm. And I paid. I was like, oh, sh- oh shit, it's that time of the year again. I, I paid my fifty dollars, and the site got shut down the next day. Oh. Uh, I personally contributed to Kim.com's fortune. Yeah. 
So I should have probably looked into this guy. You probably bought him that God license plate. Yeah. I bought him that God license plate. I should have looked into who I'm giving all this money to. Right, like, right. I could have been donating it to charity. You know, but instead I was like, I need to watch every Breaking Bad. You know? <laughs> like, my, my motives weren't great. I was like, where's Lost Season 4? I need it now. You know? My friend has it on DVD, but I don't want to drive over to their house. I need to watch it online immediately. So I'm like, absurd. Sorry, I'm pretty absurd. It's okay. Speaking of sur- absurd, <laughs> I enjoyed the video for Space Time. Ah! Books of Love. Tell us about Books of Love. Oh, Books of Love is a fun a fun project that me and my friend Greta do. Uh, I wrote all these songs. I wrote a bunch of songs about physics. Love, physics love songs. Yeah. And I, just for fun reasons. Like, I, I don't know, six months ago. I was like, oh, this is fun. I wrote one called uh, called what, Space Time. And uh it's about falling in love with an alien who lives in a different dimension that you'll never run into each other, unfortunately, because yeah. the way that gravity, gravitational field works, you'll never see each other, different space time. Okay. Uh, I wrote another one called Heartstring Theory. So it's string theory, but it's about love. Okay. Mm-hmm. I wrote another one called Dark Matter, which is uh, just about, like, dark matter, but also romance. Right. It's lots of, like, funny metaphors. Yeah. Uh, kind of, like, magnetic fieldsy mm-hmm. inspired. Not sonically, but, like, lyrically. Right. Or, like, pun- there's puns and, yeah. you know, things like that. Yeah. Super funny. My friend Greta is a m- wonderful musician. She She's in this band called The Hush Sound. She has another band called Go- Gold Motel. She has this new thing called Springtime Carnivore. She's a very talented musician. Then we made the video. Yeah. Her her boyfriend Eddie filmed that video. Yeah. It was very fun. Super fun. You guys should get together and make the uh, Kim.com movie. A song about Kim.com. Or eat that too. Yeah. Do the sound. Kim.com EP. Yeah. I mean, this could be a terrible person. For all <laughs> I know, he's a terrible person. I I feel like I'm like vouching for him. Like <laughs> I love him. I don't know him. He might. I heard you gave him fifty bucks. <laughs> I did. Yeah. More than fifty bucks. Yeah, yeah. fifty dollars of hard-earned cash. Over six months. I should have looked into. I now feel guilty. I feel like one of my fans is going to be like, "He's terrible. (laughs) He's like done all these shitty things. How dare you?" And like, I'm like, I'm I'm totally clueless. That could happen tomorrow. I just need to include all of that disclaimer in the lyrics of the Kim. I don't know anything about you. You could be pretty awful, like that. Like just like. And build it from there. I hope when that album comes out, Kim.com, he'll come back and talk to us about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He'll be like, actually, guys, he's he's pretty okay. Yeah. Yeah. In the meantime, we can find you at IamKatieGoodman.com. Yes, I do have a website. Yes, that you made. <laughs> I you, did make it. You made I, it yourself. I forgot about it until, <laughs> until I got here and you were like, oh, here's your website. I'm like, oh, yeah. I forgot. <laughs> minimalist as per your personal aesthetic. We were talking about that too. Yeah. I, my, my personal aesthetic is minimal, but you never know it based yeah. on my bedroom. Which is filled with yeah. things. Well, the, the the current state of the this, new Shaky Town studio is pretty goddamn minimalist right this now. This room is pretty epic. Yeah. <laughs> it's just white walls and a desk. Yeah, but we just got here. We just moved. you're you're you are the sage in the new. I'm, room. I'm you know I'm the redhead clean, cleansing agent. Yes, you are the bottle against the boat. Yes, 
you are christening. Thank you, thank you for having me. Yeah. Thanks for having us in the studio. Oh, of course. We appreciate it. Good luck on your West Coast tour with Julie Ruin. Thank I hope you. you and Kathleen Hannah have many wonderful late night conversations. Future best friends. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Um, so until Kim.com takes your last $50, I'm Brody Foster Hubbard. I'm Libby Ward. I'm Katie Goodman. Have, have, a, have a good night. Yes. Is that normal? normal people say? <laughs> I don't know any normal people, so it's hard to, hard to get I guess we can end on that. We're not normal. We don't know any normal <laughs> That worked out perfect. <laughs>